Hello, welcome to Blades Pod. My name is Ben. It's Friday the 12th of April, so sneaking in a quick podcast before the weekend, before our game with Millwall in a little over 24 hours' time. Uh, on this one, I've got Jay, of course, Blades Analytic. Uh, we're going to talk about a, I don't know, not so disappointing draw with Birmingham uh, midweek. Maybe maybe it's disappointing depending on your point of view, but I'm fairly upbeat about it. I think it was one I kind of expected a draw from uh, at best maybe beforehand, so I was okay with it. But we, yeah, getting some detail about uh, how this game, well, why it panned out the way it did. Uh, a few good performers, a few bad performers from us, and then we have the, I guess, inevitable uh, run through of remaining fixtures and just generally what the kind of atmosphere is around us and Leeds, and of course Sheffield Wednesday could do us a bit of a favour this weekend as well. So, yeah, stay tuned for that towards the end of the podcast, and uh, yeah, hope you enjoy it. Uh, back next week, hopefully talking about three more points for the Blades. So, yeah, thanks once again for downloading and listening. Here we go. How you doing, there, mate? You're right. Yeah, good, mate. Good. Good. Enjoy the game on uh, Wednesday night. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't Difficult the best game, was it? It was. It was a little bit dull at times. If it wasn't so much at stake, I, I think I might have uh, zoned out a little bit at times. But yeah, a, a, a deserved result, I think, for both teams. There's no. Uh, You'd have to work pretty hard to convince me otherwise that a draw wasn't a fair result there, I think. you agree with that? I do, I do. But then I looked at, when you look at the XG and the shots and that, it's, it's probably, yeah, Birmingham's favour quite heavily, actually. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those games where I didn't think, like, no, nothing much happened. Mm. A lot of chances were from set pieces. And even though we were pressing at the end, it, yeah, it, yeah. It left a bit of a, a positive point, but felt like we could have done more, maybe. Is that fair? I don't yeah, know fair. I think so. I think we started really well. I think probably for like 15, 20 minutes, and I guess the, the theme of the game was that we struggled to get the ball, uh, I think from the defensive third was, was exactly as you described it on Twitter, into the final third, which is obviously the main strength of how we play, is getting control of the ball in the final third. And I thought... For probably 15, 20 minutes, we were quite good at that. It wasn't like we were carving them open or anything, but, you know, I thought we were just getting the ball into that area quite well and, you know, looking dangerous. Um, but, I mean, just overall, I, I, I guess you have to give a lot of credit to the opposition in this game. They, they are very mm. well suited to playing against us, I think, and that's kind of borne out by um, the fact we've not beaten them since we got back in uh, in the Championship. And I think it's now what is it, 20 years since we actually won at St Andrews. I think it's gone all the way back to uh, Paul Devlin scoring for us in 1999, I read. So obviously what happened 20 years ago has no bearing on uh, on you know on what happened on Wednesday. But yeah, they, they played this kind of, uh, you know, not a defensive game, but they definitely sat off us. I mean, that was, I was actually really enjoying those first 20 minutes because after watching so many teams press as hard and successfully like Bristol City had done, Preston maybe not to the same extent but you know Leeds as well for example I was like this is great they're just letting Henderson just roll it out to Norwood and he can you know spread it about play it to McGoldrick who's dropping off this is lovely but yeah that was very much Birmingham's game plan and, and they they very much have the personnel to uh, be effective on the counter-attack I mean Adams and uh, Djukovic are I guess two of the better strikers in the division in terms of like 
you can hit them with a long pass. They're you know they're very physical. They're they're very good as well. I don't want to you know pretend that physicality is like a a negative against the striker or something like that. So there is that you know you can hit the ball over the top for Adams. You can play it into feet. Djukovic is one of the best in the air in the whole division. So yeah, and I think I think to an extent we had to respect that. I guess respect the fact that they could you know turn defense into attack quickly, and that maybe let us you know not commit so many bodies forward as we'd actually like to and of course we were still missing O'Connell as well so had uh had Craney playing um at left center back instead with Stevens back to left wing back but yeah anything to add on that that kind of um you know Birmingham's approach I guess and how it was so effective um yeah I guess it was it was twofold the the O'Connell thing really was big in Mm. this game um because there was in a I agree with you. In the first 10 minutes, I really enjoyed it. I, I thought we were going to take the game away from them. I actually thought we were going to blitz them because mm. um, I agree. We didn't create anything as a chance you would know, but there was the time that we worked the ball into the box and Billy had his back to goal and kind of twizzled and put a cross across from a goal. And it, I wouldn't say it just missed him. He, he was a good yard away, but it was close. It was pressure. Um, Stevens and Duffy were in the box as well in the first kind of... T- and in the first 10 minutes, we actually progressed the ball really well from yeah. back to front. Um, it, it went wide. Uh, Basham and Baldock were quite high and wide. Stevens was in his, his natural position and he was high and wide. And it looked promising. I agree. You know, you're thinking this is a side that's just beat Leeds. And quite frankly, we're taking the game to him here. Mm. And, and might, you know, I think, I think it was almost like an, I say old school, like an earlier season Sheffield United performance. And if we would have scored early, I think we take that game away from them. Yeah. Um, I know we ended up going 1 0 up and, and didn't score exactly late. But, you know, if we would have scored in that period, in, in that 10 minutes, I'm not sure that you know we wouldn't have got another. I think we were just in the flow and the groove. And then Birmingham, I wouldn't say they made a tactical change, but they just solidified a little bit more. They just closed the gaps between the defence and the midfield, which meant those little drop-offs that Duffy and McGoldrick normally roll into and rotate into just weren't there. Mm. And and all of a sudden, the pass that Norwood was playing on the angle or through the middle wasn't there. And we just ended up being a little bit passive, I think, in possession. The camera cut to Wilder a few times. You could see Wilder actually telling the players... Even though it's only Sharp and McGoldrick, go more direct. Basically, you tell mm. Craney a few times, you know, have a dribble. Basically, drive on with it. Go and try and commit players because, as we saw from the goal, I mean, don't get me wrong, great drop of the just. He wasn't great on the night, but brilliant bit of individual moment skill from Mark Duffy to to make that space. But sometimes you've just got to commit a player to break the system, haven't you? Yeah. And, uh, I didn't think there was enough of that. I thought Birmingham deserved the credit for having two banks of four that were extremely solid and that's plugged the gaps between the lines, but. We needed to, to we needed to have a little bit of chaos and break that structure. You saw it in the goal. Duffy dropped the shoulder. Fleck was out on the left wing, and Stevens ended up becoming inverted as a centre mid. And, and all right, yeah, it was a fantastic shot. It wasn't exactly a great chance, but it took that to happen for us to break their structure. Mm. Um, and I just felt as though we we didn't do enough in that in that regard. We didn't go out of the box enough. It was all a little bit systemised, if you will. It was all a little bit try and get it out wide and play, and and, and that just wasn't happening. And that's why I think in the second half we did go direct even before Medine came on. Mm. I think you saw, uh, uh, you know, from the start of the second half that Egan started to play a little bit more long ball up to McGoldrick and Sharp. And and actually it, it was kind of effective in terms of getting the ball up to the top, but Birmingham probably pressed a little higher in the second half. I think that's fair. Yeah, I thought so. Um, and they actually came on top of us a little bit and that's when Medine came on. And, and Medine was very good actually when he came on. And we were able to go longer and play higher. And actually, in that last 10 minutes, because of the work Birmingham had put in earlier in the game, they they tired and we got another gear, if you will. 
And I think if we would have played for another 10 minutes, although we didn't actually create anything of note, I actually think we might well have scored because the pressure was really mounting on them. Yeah, we had um, a, a couple of sort of half chances, didn't we? There was a McGoldrick head over right at the end. Yeah. And, you know, there's one where Sharp kind of kind of bundled his way into the box, really, but but kind of got closed out. But yeah, it was it was a really good uh, good goal and good strike by uh, by Stevens. And yeah, as you say, that was like it was very noticeable that Fleck basically switched out to the left side, created some space, and Stevens moved inside and yeah, hit a, a, a great shot. Um, and yeah, we we kind of lacked, uh, I guess, any more of that for the rest of the game. I, Obviously, there's no way to know this, but it's it's majorly frustrating to me that we conceded so quickly and we what we were like five minutes for half time after after they actually yeah. scored and you know it's their first corner and it's a pretty I don't know it's a pretty soft goal and it um, I think it's Djukovic gets the header in it's kind of cleared away off the goal line and it yeah Morrison just sort of stabs it into the net from about eight yards you, you just think like oh if we just held out one nil to half time like I think we would have won the game pretty comfortably and. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it just changed everything that as goals do, you know, the old saying, goals change game, etc. But yeah, that was uh, that was frustrating. Um, and then, yeah, probably was- to an extent owed, uh, owed a, a debt of gratitude to Henderson, really. Made um, two pretty big saves in the game, one from the uh, deflected cross at nil-nil and then a, a really acrobatic save from uh, uh, Adam's <laughs> long ranger in the second half as well, which is... Was, the more you watch it, it's like that is actually a very, very good save, and you prevented the seemingly inevitable Che Adams goal against us. But yeah, it's just uh, a shame we couldn't really create anything else for the rest of the game. But yeah, I mean, you mentioned uh, Craney there, and I think this was the first, possibly the first time I've really felt the lack of O'Connell from an attacking point of view because yeah. it just. Yeah, and I've seen, you know, there's been quite a good debate on uh, on forums and on Twitter. This whole like, you know, just. Just play a centre back at centre back. Don't play Marvin Johnson at left wing back and Stevens at centre back as we did against Bristol City. Like Crane is a defender, Balance. play him at centre back, and it, it kind of underlines how important it is to have that left footed balance there. Because yeah, Craney was you know like you say he was being given the ball and he was sort of coming forward a bit, but then it just clearly doesn't have the the confidence or the ability that O'Connell has to just sort of breeze past someone or you know play a pass and then go and get it again. So. Yeah, this was one game I really felt that absence. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. It was the after that first ten minute spell where we we did get through a couple of times without creating, but we did break the lines. That was it was completely noticeable how Birmingham pressed pressed in their own half, but then they dropped to probably five ten yards, like you say, almost basketball half court press type thing. They defended their own half hmm. and just said Sheffield United had the ball at the back because yeah. you're not doing anything with it. Um, you know. For all Chris Basham's brilliance, you know, driving a game on and his wonderful attitude, he's not got the best distribution. Mm. Um, Egan has decent distribution, but then when he's playing up to to strikers and midfielders that are all enclosed with the two defensive lines, what are you asking him to do? And it again, Craney, wonderful bit of defending on Djokovic early on. You know, it was a great bit of defending to block it. He's a fantastic defender and he can carry the ball down the right-hand side. We've seen that, yeah. you know, surprisingly, but... He wasn't comfortable at all on the left-hand side. So it wasn't just getting over on the overlap in terms of creating space. It was just even those little clips down the line that Jack can do, you yeah. know, because he's left-footed. And he, he has got a good passing range, Jack, as well. You know, he waits passes quite well. You often see Billy going into the channel and, and kind of picking the ball up, and then we build from there. Just none of that was on. Um, just, uh, you know, and, Go on, sorry. Yeah, sorry. And, and the few times Craney did kind of chip it into the channel, it, it went out of play and it just broke down and, it's almost like as Birmingham knew as soon as it went to Martin Craney, the the one thing was going to happen was he was going to have to come inside. Yeah. Um, 
And as long as they closed off the, the switch to the opposite side, which was obvious was coming, we, we had no way forward. And it kind of went like that. We kind of had that horseshoe. If you imagine a, mm. a, a letter U, I've done the pass net, network map. If you imagine the letter U, that was really our shape of passing. It was just up one side, back down the middle of centre halves, up the up other the side, side, back down yeah. the middle. And it was, yeah. It, and it's, you know, it's not a negative, negative. We did well. We kept the ball and we tried and, and we tried to. I think I, I kind of get what Wilder said. They had the more shots and, and technically the better XG, but for me, they didn't look like they wanted to win that game. Mm. There was that was not a home side actively trying to win the game. That was a home side trying not to lose the game and trying to nick goals if they could. Yeah, that's that's one of my chief frustrations actually. With like I say, with conceding that goal so quickly, is just it, you could sort of sense. I mean, I wasn't at the game; I was watching it on TV. But you could sense around the ground like. There wasn't much of an atmosphere from Birmingham. They were very, you know, it felt quite, you know, laid yeah. back, take it or leave it kind of game. It was, it wasn't, yeah, they didn't sound like particularly amped up for it. The players were, you know, kind of strolling about, you know, ball goes out for a goal kick or a throw in and like, yeah, okay, whatever. We'll, we'll take our time with this one. Not, not in a time wasting way, just a complete lack of urgency. Like, you know, a draw's fine or whatever. Um, so yeah, that was frustrating. But I guess, I don't know, the, the big picture is, and, uh, you know, I think I said this on the last pod, and I certainly sent it to you privately. Uh, I would have been happy with a draw beforehand yeah. with this game. Yeah. Uh, and four points from those two away games is a really, really good return. I mean, yeah. I like going back three or four weeks now. I had us, I think, I had us losing to Preston and drawing with Birmingham. Um, so yeah, we're we're up on that. I'm quite happy with that. Um, for me, that is our three hardest remaining fixtures of those last eight. If you like, they're all out the way now. Uh, and we're only a point behind Leeds, so I know it's I know it's disappointing to be like oh, it's not in our hands anymore technically, but you know I, I'm quite happy with where we're placed. I think it, it, I think you know it's all narrative based, isn't it? But it, the the positive spin I found was at the start of the week we were two points behind Leeds with the same fixtures to play. Hmm. At the end of the week we're one point behind Leeds with a better points return from those two games. Yeah. So and I think I think what is blatantly obvious is that Leeds are and I will say this happily with it and get shot down by our fans if they don't want to say this but it's fact because the stats back this up Leeds are a more fluid more attacking better creative side than we are Mm. they are the stats back that up that's fact however when they are not on their game they also look like they can lose games quite easily Mm. and I know they haven't lost a lot but if that Preston game so I watched the Preston game um, and up to half time, and I know the, the not the top twenty boys said this on their pod as well. There was nothing in that game, and Preston weren't very good. Yet yeah. Lee, there was nothing in it. Everyone was going mad about Bamford afterwards. Bamford was awful in the first forty-five, um, and, and there were some things that Preston could have done to avoid that defeat. Quite frankly, there was the red card that, that changed the whole game because not only did it obviously give a man advantage, but the whole atmosphere of the ground changed. Yeah, and all of a sudden the Leeds fans were pumped. And if you've got five thousand, you know, fans drawing it in against an extra man, it, it tends to go in, doesn't it? It just does. Yeah. And uh, but they weren't very good, and I don't. They weren't that good against Millwall when they won three two either. They won, but they weren't great. I, I think that they have a more. They have a, and it's not just a Blades fan in me. This is just an observer of the league. They have a fragility defensively, and um, uh, that we don't. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm just looking at their results since around the turn of the year. There are quite a lot of losses in here for a team that's in second are. place. So they lost at home to Hull at the end of December. Then they got spanked 4-2 by Forest. Uh, they lost to Stoke in January. They lost to Norwich in February. Drew with Middlesbrough. Uh, lost to QPR in February. Uh, obviously lost to us in March. 
and uh, lost to Birmingham last week. So what is that? Two I, I, for it's about twelve games, six losses there, something like that, five or six losses. So yeah, it does yeah. happen. And when you look at those teams, yeah, some of them are at the top, but some of them aren't. They're kind of mid mid table or, or maybe pushing playoff at max teams, which they still got to play. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, QPR, I'm, I'm, Birmingham, and Hull, <laughs> three of them there. Hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that that you know they won't win all five. They might, and fair play to them if they do. But mm. that there is if they if they switch on and they click, and it clicks, they are one of the best sides that's ever been in the championship. They just are mm. because it, it's wonderful to see. But when it doesn't click. They don't have that plan B like we have with Medine. And they do have, despite everyone thinking Liam Cooper's the next come in, um, they do have a defensive fragility where they do seem to be able to lose games. Whereas we, at the minute, somehow have become more pragmatic. And, you know, I never felt we were going to lose that game at Birmingham. I maybe, never, maybe for I, 10 or 15 minutes in the second half. And they, they, they were getting a bit of a head of steam when Adams had that long range shot and we weren't just getting on the ball. But yeah, I know what you mean. We weren't, we weren't ever under siege or anything like that, were we? No, and even though that was a, it was a great individual effort, that was the only way they were going to score from me. It was going yeah. to be an individual effort. I even thought, you know, that threat that everyone worried about with Djokovic, Egan did well. He yeah. had one header, really. You know, we, we defended well again. And I, yeah, we've got a good goalkeeper. Well, that's part of football. <laughs> you know, having a good goalkeeper is a good thing to have. And we have one. So, you know, I, and I never felt we were going to concede away at Preston, even though the pressure came again. I, I never thought we were going to. So, I do think there's a slight fragility to Leeds and this isn't by any means over. That's why I think this has been a, a positive week. It could have, of course, been better because we could have won the game and we were 1-0 up and, and should have won the game. But also, I, I don't think anyone should be going rancid. I'm not sure they are, but going rancid about the goal conceded. Set-piece goals do get conceded over a season. There wasn't much we did wrong. Yeah, and there Birmingham was... are very good at set-piece goals as well, aren't they? I think this guy said it was they like are. their 11th or 12th goal from a corner this season as well, so... It happens, as you say. Then the narrative thing you mentioned is so funny. I mean, I feel like everyone was kind of banking on Leeds losing to Preston yeah. midweek, and so that happened. And everyone's like, I, I could almost sense the the feeling among United fans being like, "Oh bloody hell!" Well, that's it then, isn't it? We've got no chance now. Now that they've beaten Preston and gone uh, two points ahead of us with uh, us having a game in hand, but yeah, I think to be fair, actually, I'm, I'm being slightly melodramatic there. I think people have been been fairly chill from what I can see in my own kind of. Uh, uh, I guess Twitter echo chamber on uh, on United. People seem to accept it was probably a good point, to be honest. And uh, yeah, puts us in a, a strong position, if not the ideal position. And and that's and that's bang on, mate. That's how it should be seen. You know, I know people always listen to us because they say we're not we're not outwardly outwardly positive just for the sake of being positive. We will be negative when we need to be. I'm, mm. You know, we can talk about John Fleck, and I will be negative. Um, but. Wilder nailed it midweek. This isn't about one or two games. It's about the accumulation now. Mm. You know, at the start of the week, it was about the accumulation of points over seven games. And if you say that is the battle, well, we have gained a point on Leeds. And if we continue to gain points over the the next five games, we will finish second. Yes, indeed. You know, it's really as simple as that. Yes, we we have. They have to drop a point somewhere. Um, and I've not done the research into this, so I will uh, to put it out on Twitter. But I'm not sure how many times this season Leeds have won five games in a row. I'm not sure how many sequences they have, if any. So I, I will I will look at that to see if it's been done. But not many teams in the Championship win five games in a row. It, no, it, it's not easy. You might hear about it, you know, on Sky, or, or you might hear about the stat because it should be celebrated. But when you look at the overall, the run of the sequences over a season, the, the percentage is very low that a, chan- a team wins five games in a row in this league. So, mm. And the other thing is, you know, there is this 
And it is now. You're at that stage of the season where psychological things do matter. And we are playing first ahead of Leeds. Is it three or four times? It's every game now until the end of the season when obviously they all kick off at the same time. Which it matters. It just does. It matters um, to me. I feel like, uh, oh, I can't remember who I was talking to you on Twitter about this, but um, yeah, I feel so much better knowing that on Saturday I'll be watching United versus Millwall and nobody will be checking how Leeds are doing. And the atmosphere yep. in the ground will not be affected by Leeds going ahead, equalising, conceding, anything yep. like that. And I'm not saying that makes a difference to what happens to United on the pitch, but to me as a fan, I'm, I'm really happy that we'll just be able to concentrate on our own business. I agreed. But from a player's perspective, I know we're not professional players and we wouldn't proclaim to be so, but even just, you know, think of your own experiences in whatever Sunday league you or you just know you need to do your job. Yeah. I know they all say, Oh, we just need to do our job and see what happens, but yeah, the play you know, there's no denying someone on the bench is somewhere looking at Leeds' results as we're yeah, playing definitely. now. It's, it, why wouldn't you be? Of course you're hearing it from the stand. Yeah, because you need to change tactics if you need if you draw in and you need a win type thing. You know what yeah. I mean? Of course you do, but it's quite simple for our boys. Go out there, try and win the game, win the game, and sit back. And just, you know, you saw it in the Premier League, I think, was he about February time? Liverpool had quite a few points on City, but all of a sudden City had four or five games in a row where they played first. Yes. And that mattered. Yes, quality matters. Yes, the fact they won the game mattered, but the Liverpool were going into games thinking, oh, they're only three points behind us now. Yeah. You know, or, or even City got on top of us and we need to win. And it, it course, it just ramps up the pressure on Leeds and you know in a good way it works for them sometimes but they're also quite an emotive crowd we've mm. seen that this year with the whole they're going to give Norwich a bad rep thing for the spying on Bielsa claims and, and <laughs> that went down like a storm then they did it to us you know the whole biggest game in their lives thing and they lost that I'm, I'm not saying that that matters to the players but they're almost like a Liverpool in that way they're in a very emotive crowd and I, mm. I think you can feel when they're positive you feel that but also you can feel the tension at Ellen Road as well when it's not quite going right so it might play in our favour. Uh, we don't know if, how much factors these play, but there's certainly some merit, I think, to it. Yeah. The important thing is to uh, not lose or draw to Millwall on Saturday. But, um, before we before we get to that, uh, do you want to just quickly do some player ratings? We can do this super zippy if you want. Absolutely. Let's get into them. All right. So Henderson, uh, 9 out of 10 for me, I think. Blameless on the goal. Uh, made two really, really good saves and, and otherwise, you know, coped very well with a, a team that loaded the box every opportunity, basically. You know, every time Birmingham had a free kick inside their half, Camp was coming all the way out to take it, chucking it in the box to uh, a, a lot of very physical, good-in-the-air players. So, yeah, I thought it was a really, really good game from him. Yep, same, 9 out of 10. Cool. Go on next. Uh, Stevens, I gave a 7-2. Okay. Uh, could have gone higher slightly, maybe even lower, I guess. It's weird. The goal kind of thwarts his performance, I think, hmm. um, because the goal was fantastic. Um, and he did try and, and, and did try and get involved early on, but then just kind of was on the rest of the game because of Birmingham, I think. We have to give credit to Birmingham, but kind of felt on the periphery, really. Wasn't the end. Uh, we didn't play him into the spaces that he wants to be in. Hmm. Um, and then obviously eventually got moved to left centre-back when Dal came on. So I... Yeah, a 7 out of 10 for me because I, I didn't think he affected the game throughout the whole duration, but obviously he had the big moment. Yeah, well, for that reason, really, I've given, I've gone 9 out of 10, so maybe I'm slightly higher on that. I, I, thought, it was, I thought it was very yeah. noticeable when uh, we moved him to left centre-back. Like 
that did help the team. Like it helped us progress the ball yeah. much better to an extent. Birmingham, you know, it was like the last ten minutes. Birmingham were not not spent, but had obviously put a hell of a lot of effort into the first eighty minutes. But suddenly we did have a natural left footer who was comfortable on the ball, dribbling out of defence. Uh, you know, giving it to Flake, who got more and more involved as well, and yeah, just progressing yeah. us. So yeah, that, that in a weird way. Maybe we should have started with him at centre back after all, and just accepted yeah. Dowell or uh, Johnson there. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. I'm, I'm I'm pretty confident, and I can't again. I can't speak for them. I wouldn't even proclaim to, but I'm pretty sure Wilder and Nil have had that conversation about Dowell at left wing back. I, I think we agree. We'll not see Marvin. Clear. We'll not see Marvin Johnson from now till the end of the season unless there's injury. Yeah. Um, because let's face it, Dowell wouldn't be at left wing back if they like Johnson now. Hmm. Um, but I, I think they probably are. I wouldn't say regret, but I think they may have... If they had the Birmingham game again, I think they would have started Dow at left wing back. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, so, Craney, 7 out of 10, solid enough game. Like You know, he didn't do anything wrong. We just... Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, no. it was just that kind of... It didn't really help us massively from an attacking point of view. But yeah, good defending. As you said, that there was that great bit of defending on... I think it was on Jukovic, wasn't it, quite early That's on? Nice. So, yeah, solid game for him. Yeah, seven out of ten for me as well. Yeah, I, you can't blame Martin Craney for not having a left foot. It's uh, yeah, you know, he, he's clearly is good at carrying the ball out because we've seen it. Um, but just on his natural side, so I, I can't blame him at all for not having the confidence in his weakest foot. And he, he's there to defend, and he did that admirably. So yeah, mm. seven out of ten. Go on then. Uh, we go Eags. I'll, I'll go. Uh, what I got? No, I, I would probably go. Um, Seven out of ten on Egan. I, we we did concede a goal. It's not Egan's fault, but I'm not sure I could give him an eight. But he, at the end of the day, he did everything that he had to do. I think. Yeah. No, nothing to add on that seven as well. Basham, I give an eight to. I, I was actually leaning towards a nine because I, I thought he was probably a joint best player, possibly man of the match. I thought. Um, like you said, we didn't we didn't see him driving forward anywhere near as much as we had against Preston, admittedly, but I thought some brilliant defensive work, like particularly mm. like stopping a few counters and, you know, just helping us kind of get from our box to, to Norwood and uh, to Fleck, etc. So yeah, I thought it was a, a very good game from him. So I went eight. Yeah, I went, I went seven. Um, I, I, all the, all the positives of what you said, he did actually, when we bought Medina on, he, weirdly, we kept giving the ball to Bash and he kept playing some excellent long passes as well. Mm. Um, which isn't normally his game, but I did think that he was, and it's not Bash's game, so maybe it's unfair this, but he seemed to be the one who was in good crossing positions and angles, and yeah. then he put he put ball balls in. Yeah, he did. Um, we know he's not. We know he's not a very good crosser. Even though he goes on the overlap and he ends up wide, he tends to not cross. Um, he's there to lay it off or dribble. Um, there were some poor balls, and and they were areas which. In a game like that, you want Norwood on, or you want Fleck on. You want, you know, we'll get to Fleck in a minute, but you, you want Norwood really in that area to put something on Sharp's head, don't you? So, just yeah. a seven. Yeah. What about uh, George Baldock? Uh, I gave George a five. Yeah, I've, I've gone seven, but I'm I'm thinking I've gone a bit high actually. He didn't. He just wasn't involved at all, was he? No. He, I mean, defensively, he was again. He was okay. Um, you know, di- didn't do anything wrong defensively. Competed, but. Just didn't. Again, credit to Birmingham and the way we played would have affected him and his performance, but didn't affect the game. Mm-hmm. Just didn't didn't affect the game. And George's, you know, I get there wasn't much space because Birmingham had, had blocked that run. And if if George's pace can't be used, then he's not the greatest attacker. We know that he doesn't have the the Freeman levels of close ability. I would say, but he's got to get involved in the game in, in games like that. He's an experienced kid now in this league, and he's one of the best right backs and right wing backs, and he has the license to go every time. 
Mm. Um, and I just felt as though he wasn't stretching the pitch as much as he could have done in the first half. And then I felt he could have, you know, maybe he could have took the mantle of trying to deliver the ball a bit more than Bash. But yeah, just just not enough for me. So a five. Yeah. Norwood, uh, I guess seven out of 10. So again, didn't really do a lot wrong. His passing was pretty much pristine as it is. He, he did get forward a bit more than uh, he did against yeah. Preston as well. Got a couple of shots in, although one was... <laughs> terrible frankly I don't know what on earth he was doing it looked like the cl- yeah, well yeah hit it don't think about it so much and then oh now you've thought about it and just basically passed it 10 yards wide of gold okay if that's so what you want to do so um, frustrating with him though so frustrating because look at his techers he the is man can very clearly good at shooting hit- yes he can clearly hit a ball better than anyone else in the team most likely hmm. don't think Collie just spank the back end out of it <laughs> Um, he did also lose it a couple of times in really stupid positions, which is a, a bit of a Norwood trait, I think. Um, it is. Which is, again, why he only cost two million, why only us and Hull were in for him, I suppose. that you know There are these negatives to his game, of course. But, um, yeah, I think also this was another game where you saw his, his defensive side as well. There was so many times he just basically mopped up a potential counter, you know, just by getting his body in the way or getting a foot in. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was it was a decent game from him, but not a, a, a like, game-changing one, I don't think. No, I agree. So, yeah, seven. I, I agree, though. A lot of his defensive work doesn't look like a... Um, I mean, I'm trying to think Blades fans, you know, old Monty style, or even if you think of modern players like a Calvin Phillips or someone diving into tackles and things, it's more clever... Yeah, you know it's it's positional. It, it's just presence, knowing where to be, pressurizing the ball. But he's really good at it. He's a really good last line of defense in the midfield, except when he decides to play it to their strikers. And he <laughs> does. He does. He seems to get lucky with that. We don't seem to have been punished, which, you know, I, I'm not going to call one, but it's going to happen soon. The only um, one I can think of is uh, West Brom's equaliser at Bramall Lane. Yeah, it might, yeah that, maybe the second one came from similar as well, but. Yeah, you're right. I don't remember many happening in uh, Touchwood. Hopefully, like, that continues. Yeah, not like a direct one. You know what yeah. I mean? Like he gave, he gave it, he gave it basically shade, didn't he, on the halfway line? And you, without, you know, just basically running it eagerly, and you're thinking, oh, this is it, and we got back in. So no, yeah, yeah, but I thought Ollie was, he was as good as he could have been because it's hard to hit forward passes when there's that much defensive pressure in the areas. But he did try. Yeah, and I think uh, his performance was slightly inhibited by the next player. Um, I'll let you go first oh. on John Fleck. So I gave Fleck a three. Yeah, so did I. See, I, I said on Twitter, I thought he was comically poor, or almost comically poor. Um, and uh, yeah, a few people sort of said, oh, it's a bit harsh, but I do stand by that. I think this is the worst game I've ever seen him have for us. And, you know, <laughs> he's, he sets a high standard, but this was pretty bad. We We it's, needed him to do more, and everything that he did was not great either. In big games or games where we've, you know, not necessarily good teams, but in tight games, he's been pretty bang average all season. Yeah. And that's not that's not just a narrative based on this this poor performance. I've looked at the numbers and he does things well. And when it's an easy game or when he wants to be, he's involved. But he's not doing enough. Nowhere near enough. It's all right saying everything goes through Norwood, but he's letting that happen. Yeah. He needs to, like that last 10 minutes, yeah, I get it. We brought Dowell on, Stevens went to left centre half, so the left-hand side was a bit more natural and it was a bit better and fluid on the ball and, and maybe that helped him. Maybe that was a factor in this game. But he just turned up. He just decided to turn up in the last 10. He just, you know, I, there was one time where he was dribbling away, back to goal, to the halfway line, being pressured by Davis and he just dropped a shoulder and skipped by him like he wasn't there. Yeah, that was the first time he did that and it was probably like the 82nd minute, something like that. 
Exactly. And then, you know, and then he clipped a ball into the box and then he picked up the second ball and drove into the box and had like a, a cross come shot that nearly went to sharp. And then it fell out to Magoljic at the edge of the box and it was a bit of a bad touch and they cleared it. But you're just thinking, where have you been for 80 minutes? Yeah, it was like a total passenger. And, it, it, you know, people listening may think this sounds a bit harsh to be like, why, why are you singling out Fleck as like he's the one that needs to do more? But... But I think he does because of the way that we play, the system that we play. And this is, you know, this is not me Norwood fanboying or anything, but what we need Norwood to do is get the ball from defence to midfield attack and wing backs. And Fleck yes. has to be the conduit of that. And if Fleck is, you know, essentially a passenger, then that also inhibits what Norwood can do. And yeah, the whole sort of system kind of, uh, well, goes into that horseshoe of passing, as you say, where we're not actually getting up the field. So. Yeah, although although he's really poor, you know, if you just sort of look at his stats, they're not terrible. But you know, no, but- a lot of his passes put our players under real pressure. You know, like just a not a hospital ball, but like you, you know, there's a few forward passes he made. And you're like, why have you done that? Like the guy Stevens or Duffy just lost yeah. it immediately, or you know, had to like kick it out of play or something like that. So yeah, I'm not. You know, I think he's been fine for the last few games. I thought he was good at Preston um, and uh, another game recently as well. But yeah, this was a poor showing. He was great at Rotherham. He, he was great against Rotherham. Yeah. You know, he created chances. He was, he was decent. He was great. You know, but it's just, it's in those tight games or big games where this this is a man who, who we turned down a Premier League bid for in January and who last season was one of, the second half of last season, his oh, kind of real. numbers and his influence on the game matched that of a Jack Grealish. Mm-hmm. Matched that of a Tom Kearney. That's the level Fleck was at. Uh, and he's, uh, it might be unfair because maybe that was just peak Fleck. Um, and maybe that's not sustainable over a long period of time. Maybe there is some innovations in to his play in terms of Norwood or, or you know the left-hand side not quite linking it all up together, but it's not enough to do what he did in that game. It's not enough. He's supposed to be one of our top performers, uh, a potential Premier League player. Uh, they don't disappear in games like that mm. because he's the, he's the line-breaker. Yeah. Norwood is not going to break lines with movement. He'll whip a ball, across, ping a ball 40 yards, but if two banks of four are set, it needs something chaotic. It needs something out of the ordinary. Duffy wasn't great, and we'll get to his mark, but Duffy dropped a shoulder and set up a goal. So Mark Duffy did his job, whether you like it or not, he did, because he set up a goal. And John Fleck needs to do that. And they both need to do it lot longer, but Fleck certainly, I expect more of him, because he's the more dynamic one with the, the better ceiling, if you will. And yeah. it, it, it just, that last 10 was, was what he's capable of, and even that was only a tenth of what he can do. So to see him play as he did, and He's not influenced big games for me enough this season. He hasn't. He just mm. hasn't. And uh, he, he needs a big five games. He needs a big five games for me. Because if I'm Chris Wilder, I'm looking at John Fleck thinking, is he getting a bit comfortable here? Because we, we don't have no options in centre mid. We don't. Mm. Those two will play every game from now to the end of the season unless they're injured. Um, yeah, I was just going to say that. There's, it's one of the few positions, I guess, where we don't have a rotation option no. at all. We don't have anyone that can do what Fleck can do. Um, or, or, which is testament to how good it is. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, it would obviously be a drop off, but you know, you could you could potentially see Coots playing like you know alongside the centre halves. I know we don't really want to see that at this stage at all, but no, no. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, I, I don't think there's anyone that could do what Fleck can do in our squad at the moment. So, yeah, we we need him to to step it up, I suppose. And yeah, as I say, this is not. Um, you know, for me, this was like a, a freakishly poor game for him. I know he said he's been average in those other games, but he was a lo- he was a long way below average in this game. Yeah, I, I say, average being the word. You know, we might sound negative because we've gone on on five minutes on him, but th- that's the levels he set. So we yeah. expect excellent from Fleck because he's been excellent before. He's been average. I, I don't want to hear he's been poor or crap. Whatever he hasn't been, and he, he 
big big chances created for Sheffield United by Mark Duffy in terms of per 90 as well at the top. But in terms of overall, John Fleck has created the most big chances this season mm. in total. He's created 10, Duffy's nine. So he, he's still doing things. He's still doing bits. I just, I think there's merit to where those bits come um, and they're all valid no matter who, what opposition they're against. But you just, you need your big players in big moments, don't you? And he is one of our bigger, better players, if you will, in terms of what impact he can bring. So I just hope that we, we see the better of Fleck in the last five games. Yeah, same. Uh, Duffy, then I uh, kind of teetering between a five and a six on this one. I mean, he did yep. set he did set up a goal. Uh, if you if you like, it wasn't like you know an incredible through ball that Stevens tapped in or anything like that. Um, it was a bit of a, so- a soft assist, I suppose. But he still, you know, created the space, got it to Stevens, and you know that was more than we were able to do through pretty much the rest of the game. I think. Um, but yeah, I'd probably mark him down a little bit just on the fact that we couldn't get him the ball anywhere near as much as we needed to. I mean, yeah. in between, uh, I think between 35 and 60 minutes, which is when he went off, he only touched it 11 times. And, you know, for some players, that's that's a fair amount. But again, we need to have him more involved. Yeah, we need him picking up the ball outside their penalty area and getting us up the field. So yeah, a bit, bit disappointing, but probably to an extent, not his fault. I think I could kind of excuse him a bit for some of that. It, same Exactly. So I won't add too much, but other than to say to people listening out there, if you didn't think Mark Duffy was good, I'm not going to tell you he was. What I am going to say is I think me and Ben are probably leaning on giving more credit to Birmingham being good than Duffy being bad. Yes. I, th- I, I think that's fair. The way they played, the way their defence and midfield had hardly any gap between them, the way they were close to him whenever he turned, that, it, it, and the way that they, they, they plugged those gaps so we couldn't play the ball into him to then build an attack, none of that was technically Mark Duffy's fault. Yes, he needs to move around and create the space for himself, but also he needs people to to be passing him the ball. Yeah. Um, and I think the pass map I did showed that only Norwood and Egan really tried to connect with him. No one else did. So, yeah, it, it, it's it, did he have enough opportunity? You know, Was the space there for him to, to do what he does? And, and probably not, but he probably didn't do enough. So I think a five or a six is fair. Yeah. Uh, Billy Sharp, uh, going to sacrilegiously give him a four out of ten here, I think. Just wasn't effective at all. He didn't have a single shot. He was perpetually offside or fouling. I mean, yeah. he must have been offside like five times in the first ten minutes of the second half. And, yeah. you know, there was that, that free kick early on we had as well where he had the run on the defender, but for some reason went like a second too early. And if he just timed it properly, he had a tap in. It was like... Like a free kick we scored against Bradford a couple of years ago um, with that exact yeah, same yeah, movement. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, his, his passing was poor. He, he lost the ball a lot in the final third. So yeah, just a, a very ineffective game from him, I thought. Yeah, I mean, Bill's been, in the last few weeks, Bill's been fantastic in terms of being involved in mm. other things but goals, hasn't he? Yeah. You know, uh, in terms of his running, his channel running, especially when we've been under the caution, he's, he's holding up of the ball and just being a pester and a nuisance. But that, that was a... A, a, a typical typical sharp game in terms of the fact that he didn't because he couldn't contribute a goal he contributed nothing. Yeah, um, I know. I know some people on Twitter. I, he, he, listen, Billy Sharp's always going to put the effort in because that's the type of lad he is, and he did some sometimes hold the ball up well or run a channel well. And there was certainly one in the first half where Fleck did play a good pass, and there was open space, and Sharp running the channel, and we were actually quite slow to get there with him, but he did hold it up well, and it set up an attack. But he, again. Billy's better this year. He's a better all-round player. And to see him not get connected to with the pass, with more than five passes, that's some of that's not on Sharp, but some of it kind of is as well. Mm. You know, he, he can he can become involved. I'm not saying we want Sharp and McGoldrick both dropping off, but he can become involved a bit more. 
And I think he was better when Medine came on because we played higher up and Medine won his knock-ons and sharp balls around him. And That's fair. He, didn't quite, he didn't quite make the most of the opportunities. So I, I gave him a five because some of it was on the team. You know, yeah. when you have a player like Billy Sharp, you have to service him. And I, I did think he looked better when Medine came on. So a five was fair for me. That's fair. All right, and then on to David McGoldrick. Uh, go on, I'll let you. I'll let you lead off here, but I'll, I'll start you with a question: uh, Where would we be in the league if uh, David McGoldrick hadn't, pl- hadn't played for us this season? So you're, I guess you're talking about his match-winning goals and points that he's gained. No, no, I'm just saying we would be a very different player, a very different oh, team oh, without him. I think. Oh. And, yeah, as in and struggling. Abstract, yeah, abstract-wise. Yeah, um, yeah, hundred percent. In fact, he's, I, I get there are players that you say this, but. If Billy wouldn't have had that run of goals and McGoldrick wouldn't have, you know, we didn't sign McGoldrick, where would we be? We'd, we'd probably be about ninth, tenth, Preston yeah. types. You know what I mean? Is that fair? I think that's fair. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. McGoldrick has, has been one of the signings of the season. Uh, I gave him a nine out of ten in this game. I thought he was, without without winning the game for us, he did everything else. He was everywhere, um, wasn't he? Like, no, not, but not just. Not just because some people asked a very fair question. So you, when you tweet out a David McGoldrick heat map at the minute, he's everywhere and he's involved in everything and mm. it's brilliant. But some people quite rightly say, does he do maybe too much? Should he mm-hmm. not be between the post a bit more? And the answer to that is, I would normally say is yes, but no with him because he's so important for us to get the ball forward. Yeah, and in this game particularly, because there, there was a game, it might have been, it might have been the Bristol City home game, possibly, where he did similar. He was dropping off all the time. I think it yes. was when it was started with Dowell as a turn. Um, yes. And that was to the, I think we said it, it was to the detriment of the team that he was not close to Sharp. But yes. this was this was an occasion where I really felt like we would have no foothold whatsoever in this game without his ability to drop off, pick it up, knock it off, turn it, you know, get defenders out of position. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Nine out of 10 for me as well. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was brilliant and it underlined to me yeah, we'd we'd be much worse off without him this season, I think. Assuming we 100%. weren't able to get a similar type of player. No, I agree, hundred percent. I know you can't put a value on these things, but literally a hundred percent, he has been magnificent, and he's getting better. And he looks, I mean, the the fitness is unreal. Not only did he stay on for the ninety, he was probably the fittest lad over the ninety in terms of you know what he was getting involved in, the constant involvement on the ball, and and the burst and pace and the pressing that the man does as well off the ball. Yeah. I know we spoke about it all season, but we should flag it every single time he does it because it's effort like I've never seen. It, I mean, that one where he got the ball got played into him and he had the back to goal and he just does the little Cruyff turn and then slips in Baldock down the right. Mm. That that was beautiful. Um, you know, and, and that's the type of thing that just normally creates in a goal and he ends up getting no credit to the assist. But luckily, there's people like us who can pick out those underlying numbers. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, his contribution has been great, but... I know there's a debate about should we play McGoldrick at number 10, um, you know, because of those type of performances. I'm, I'm still not sure about that. I have my own view. and Everyone's entitled to their own. So we won't get into that now. But one thing's for sure, he is an incredible footballer and we are blessed to have him. We really yeah, are. Definitely. Uh, quick thoughts on the substitute. So Dowell came on for Duffy. Oh, came on for Craney, I believe, actually, didn't he? Did, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Dowell. Uh, Meh, moved to it, played it left wing back. Kind of a meh performance, didn't really do anything, I didn't think. So five. Probably, yeah, yeah, five out of ten. It, it, so the first five minutes he was on, even I lost a little bit of cool because as much as I love Kieran and wanted us to sign him, he was really poor for his mm. first few t- You know, the ball came to him, he tried to flick one round the corner and there was no one there. No, yeah. And then he, 
he could have just controlled the next pass that came in and played a little pass inside and he ended up doing it all a bit quick and rushed but you have to appreciate that he's playing in an unknown position and he's still trying to gel with the team yeah you know you, you have no January signings have no time to bed in in how the system works they just have to pick it up as the games come thick and fast so you know you have to you have to give him some leeway for that and he's doing a job at left wing back as well let's be fair he's doing a job regardless yeah. of how good he is. so I don't think he was poor and he actually put some good crosses in towards the end, but it isn't his position and we clearly are playing there because we don't want to play Marvin Johnson. Yeah, indeed. Uh, quick thoughts on Medine? I thought he was excellent. Mm. I I thought Gaz was really good and actually it showed us, as much as me and you sometimes, I, I guess have this, not negative thing, but have this thing where we, we always want to see Duffy, McGoldrick and Sharp because we think that's probably the best three. Mm. I, I think you could see the miss that Medine was at Bristol City. Yeah, um, definitely. Just because the game wasn't working passing-wise, so what did we do? And we didn't just lump it. They were angled passes, let's be clear about that. But you can just put it in the vicinity of him. And he dominated a very aerially good defender in Morrison. Yeah. Medin won just about every header he went against him. And they weren't just flick-ons. They were flick-ons into the box to our players. Mm. And he also held the ball up well and brought others in on the floor as well. Um, you know... We didn't give him a chance to look threatening in terms of a goal-scoring threat, but no denying when he came on, we looked a better team. And I would have, I would, my, my educated guess is he will start at the weekend. Well, that's a good a, a good segue. There we go. Uh, yes, top boy asked me to uh, reintroduce the word segue, um, and not as a mode of transportation. Um, but yes, anyway, sorry, good segue to uh, to Millwall. So yeah, I, I don't know about Medine starting. I mean. I, I still, I still think I prefer him as the the game changing option off the bench. I guess I'd still want to see Sharp, McGoldrick, and Duffy starting, and you know, I, that's, I, that's I do. Play. I'm with but, you. Yeah. I would because I think I saw three, but I think that a three games in a week for Billy Sharp's a lot. That's true, and he's played um, every minute. I think. I think of, so. Uh, I, Preston and Birmingham, yeah, he did. Uh, and and Wilder does like that rotation option up front. I think given the, given the opposition, not not just attackively but defensively, they will come and throw the ball a lot in the box from corners and throw-ins and set pieces. So having yeah. Medine is good defensively. Um, and, I, and I think that those factors combined and Medine's impact as well, the fact he's quite fresh and probably wants to prove a point. I should hope so because he, 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 I know he's scored a few goals for us, but he, he does owe us a bit <laughs> for that uh, stupid tackle against Brentford. Yeah, hundred percent. It hasn't it hasn't turned out to cost us a lot, but it could have. Um, Definitely, yeah. You know, it's unfair to throw. You can't throw the Bristol City game on him. So actually, we come out of it okay, but it could have cost us a lot. And um, yeah, I, I think those factors combined, that freshness, um, I, I think he'll start. I think the question is who for, and I actually think Billy rests. I I don't think you can take David McGoldrick out of this team at the minute. No. Um, he's exceptional. I don't think you can take him out. And Duffy's coming back from an injury. I know people have got this theory on Duffy, but I just think just keep playing Mark Duffy. Yeah, because I think so. He, even when he's not at his best, he still creates a moment. Yeah. Um, and no one else in the team does that. No one. No one can do what Mark Duffy can do for us. That's let, Let's be clear of this. Figures, facts, your eyes, they all back this up. No one else dropped the shoulder like that to create that space that Mark Duffy did you know, on Wednesday. And I would just... Every minute Mark Duffy was fit, I would play him from now to the end of the season. Yeah, and th- this has the potential to be a slightly attritional game with Millwall as well. I mean, this is going to be, well, yeah, I-, I feel like it could be a bit of a battle, to be honest. Though, you know, anyone who's thinking we're going to turn up and just wallop them 4 0 or something like we did to Reading, for example, I think will be 
very very swiftly corrected on that one. I, I would imagine it'd be similar to the Rotherham game, to be honest, uh, at home. You know, they, uh, as far as I'm aware, Millwall play that very kind of similar style of yeah, they you know, do get it forward quickly. You know, they don't they do not muck about with possession whatsoever. It's, it's get it forward, get it in the channels, get throw-ins, yeah. get free kicks, get corners. They're extremely good in the air. Cooper, the is it Cooper? Sorry, the defender. Yeah, Jay Jay Cooper. Cooper. Yeah. Yep. Uh, a massive threat from set pieces. Huge. I think he's Huge. isn't he like the? Uh, he's got one of the highest uh, like expected goals and expected assists in the league or something. Basically, just from set pieces. Yeah, not just expected. He's actually about third or fourth in the assist rankings. Um, <laughs> and, and like that is not an open play centre back like ours are. He's literally. Yes. They aim for him from corners and throw-ins to knock down, predominantly for Lee Gregory. Um, it is their main source of goals. So, mm. yeah, it's attritional. But remember, we went to Millwall away earlier in the season. And, and yeah, all right, it was 2-2 at one point. They got back into it. But football-wise, played them off the park. Yeah, we really did. And we did that by playing football. We did that by Mark Duffy, you know, wonderful passing and crossing range, by McGoldrick nipping in left, right and centre, and by Billy being between the posts. So... As much as I'm saying I expect Medine to start, I don't think I want him to. I just think Wilder will um, yeah. with the factors we've spoken about. But it's very important that we don't allow them to just be attritional. Um, yes, we've got to win win the battle so that we can just play football. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, if we um, you know if we impose ourselves in our game, then and that's something we haven't done in a, in a while actually. Um, rather on the side, but they had ten men. I, I don't think for a long time now we've gone and, and really took one to a team and blitzed them with our football. So. Mm. hopefully we can get back to that now. I wouldn't say the fixtures are easier, but they technically are, statistically. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they are easier the next five games. So, yeah, the pressure yeah. will build, but let's hope that we can get back to some, some winning football at home. Indeed. And then there's, uh, yeah, we're in the the bizarre position of um, wanting Wednesday to win a game for the first time in my life, I suppose. I've seen some... If, if anybody's listening to this is offended by this, I apologise. But I've seen some hilarious moralising over uh, oh, yeah, supporting no. Wednesday in inverted commas. Like, people properly tying themselves in mental knots over this. Like, like I, I, I don't think it's doing? worth worrying about, to be honest. I mean, yeah. If you, if you want uh, Wednesday to lose a game more than you would like Sheffield United to get promoted, then... Uh, I don't know. I don't really have a lot to say, to be honest. I've got to be honest, mate. I don't think those type of people are listening to our podcast. It's like, possible. I, I don't think they are. Yeah. Uh, that's not. The, that's not a really a rationale we preach. It's yeah. just. It's I haven't. Uh, I haven't been watching. Um, I mean, I hate watching Wednesday at the best of times, uh, and I didn't watch Leeds the other night because I thought, like, I can't affect it. We don't play them again. I'm not going to learn anything from watching them. So. You know, I just I just left that one, and I'll be doing the same on uh, on Saturday evening. I'll find somewhere else to occupy myself instead, and uh, hope for the best, I suppose. But yeah, wow. it's uh, I, I don't know. I, I have a, I, I said this to you, and this is going against any uh, any stats or advanced metrics or whatever. But I think Leeds will beat them handily, to be honest. Uh, Wednesday are a good team right now. They've been in very good form for a while. You know, they were very unlucky to lose to uh, Villa the other week, although I think slightly fortunate to beat Forest midweek as well. But to me, this just feels like one of those games that we go into it hoping that Leeds will drop points. And then after 15 minutes, Leeds are 3-0 up and we're like, oh, okay. Yeah, most likely. Most likely. That's that's a hunch rather than based on any kind of analysis. The way I see it is people have got really up about this because it's went and and, and, and media media or narrative will obviously drive it. But just... Like, I'm not supporting 
Sheffield Wednesday. But at the same time, yes, of course, I want them to win or draw at Leeds. Yeah. <laughs> but, but after that, there is also four games where I will be also not supporting, but wanting Aston Villa, Brentford, Ipswich to do something against Leeds. Yeah, like, exactly. It it's really is as simple as that. I, I, I will be watching because I just love the championship, regardless of, you know, Sheffield United. I, I think Leeds versus Wednesday will be a good game. They both it got, should be. They both got targets to play for, quite frankly. Um, you know, Wednesday aren't out of it and they need to win to be in it, which makes it even more interesting from a Blades perspective. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll watch because I think it'll be a good game and interesting more than anything else. But I don't expect them to win. If they do, it'll be a bonus. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I honestly don't care if they don't win. It, it's not going to... If we beat Millwall and Leeds win, we just go to another week. It's Yeah. <laughs> I have a sneaky feeling that I will hate Sheffield Wednesday even more by 8pm on Friday, on Saturday <laughs> rather, but let's let's see. You never know, I suppose. But yeah, as you say, the, the main thing is we've got to beat Millwall um, and then we yeah, we'll yeah. probably need to win four of our last five games. But I see no reason why we can't do that, to be honest. I, I mean, I know we're sort of uh, tiptoeing around it, but for me, these last five fixtures, very, winnable. very winnable. Winnable. I, I have no... I was... I was concerned, well, I wasn't, to be honest, I wasn't concerned about the Bristol City game. I thought they were a streaky team that we would uh, catch them on the down streak, as it was, we've caught them on the up streak. Um, but I was very concerned about going to Preston, and I fully expected us to drop points against Birmingham, to be honest. Agreed. But now, five games, nothing to be afraid of there. There's a lot of teams that are going to have their seasons already decided, well in advance of us playing them. So, you know, I, I... Um... <clears throat> go on, sorry. So I was saying, I I have so we both did the little prediction models, didn't we? Mm. Um, just interestingly, I to what did you have as for the Preston and Birmingham then for both sides for for us and Leeds? What did you have as the the points out of Preston and Birmingham? Uh, so this is going back ages, like it's probably going back five or six games. Uh, Bayados losing to Preston, I think, and drawing with Birmingham, or the other way around. Um, and I think I probably had Leeds drawing both of them, something like that. So that's interesting. I had us losing to Birmingham during Preston. Right. So, and I had Leeds winning one, losing one. So now on my little, because I've, I've not changed my results, because obviously now it's bias-wise, you could change results. So I've just kept the results the same. I now have us finishing second by two points. Sounds good. Let's hope that uh, that comes to uh, comes into play in the next few weeks. Uh, all right, mate, any, uh, any last words? Sorry, I know we've run a bit long again. Ah, it's all good. As long as people are still listening, it's not just me and you, Natary. Um, well, I've no, enjoyed it, even if they're not. Yeah, always. We always enjoy it, mate, don't we? Uh, no, it's just, yeah, get, get down the lane on Saturday, support the boys. It'll be, I think it'll be a good game. It should be a full house. should be a great atmosphere, because as you say, we're going first, so I'd, I'd expect a yeah. positive atmosphere, just regardless of how the game's going, whether it's nil-nil or one-nil down. No one needs to get emotional or right up, just back the lads. I, I've, I think we'll beat Millwall. I don't think it'll be easy, but I do think we'll beat Millwall. I think we're a good defensive side now, and that will help yeah, in that definitely. aspect. Um, I, I think we'll go on and beat Millwall, and then, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I, you know, we'll talk about it on the pods in the coming weeks, but I genuinely think we'll we'll be winning four or five games of the next five. So, pressure's on, Leeds. Yeah, well, hopefully, but yeah, can't wait to get back down the lane tomorrow. Uh... Yeah, not not a long lifespan for this podcast, but yeah, can't yeah. Uh, can't wait to get back there, big crowd again, and uh, yeah, hopefully a better result than the last time we we're there. But as you say, I'm I'm pretty uh, pretty hopeful slash confident of that, that one. Yeah, yeah, me too. Na- nice one, mate. All right, have a good uh, have a good afternoon and uh, enjoy the game tomorrow. I'll speak to you later. Yeah, same to you, mate. I'll speak to you next week. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.